And to let go is to let go of all of that. And when you let go, something terrible could happen. But also brilliance can happen. And sometimes terrible is brilliant. And you won't know unless you let go. And it's a constant fight with almost everybody. And when people ask me, what is talent? I think the ability to really let go, to be in the present moment, to not care. This is LA's Good For You Tencel Town, a podcast about the art, science, and business of filmmaking. Each week we bring you untold stories from the people who make Los Angeles the global capital of entertainment industry. Join us for your Hollywood 101. What's the secret to world-class acting? It's just three words. Let it go. On the last episode of this season, we're chatting with one of People's Magazine's 50 most beautiful people in the world, Shannon Sturgis. Shannon starred in Aaron Spelling's Savannah, SWAT, and Days of Our Lives. She's the owner and acting coach at Spicer Sturgis Acting Studio in LA and working with actors on the big studio sets such as The Fate of the Furious. Shana, you must feel like a queen because you do come from Hollywood royalty. Uh, <laughs> your grandfather was Preston Sturgis, who is a playwright, screenwriter, and a film director, who in 1941 won the Academy Award for the Best Original Screenplay for the film The Great McGinty? Is this McGinty? Yes, The Great McGinty. Yeah. And, and yeah, wow. And your mother was also an actress, uh, Colette Jackson. But today we want to just talk about you. Just you, you, you. It's all about you. Um, so when you were growing up, did you think that you're going to end up, you know, in the entertainment business or perhaps you wanted to be a fireman or a doctor? Uh, I There was a period of time where I wanted to be a singer during the day. No, a doctor during the day and a singer at night. That was, that was the plan. Um, turns out I can't sing. So, and, and then I decided I could be a play a doctor on TV. It was kind of always going to happen. There was no question about me going into the entertainment biz. Although my grandmother, I was raised by my grandmother who uh, tried very hard to encourage the doctoring, if not the singing. But yeah. So I just, I, I, that's one of the reasons that I majored in something other than theater when I went to college so that my grandmother would be happy. Um, but something that was complimentary and I sort of always knew this is what I wanted to do. So you didn't study acting or theater at college at all? Oh, I did. I didn't major in it. It wasn't my major. I was an English major which I thought worked really well to, you know, you read the great writers and the great screenwriters and, you know, but no. <laughs> what was the, um, was it acting classes you did or was it called drama or? Uh, you know, it was a long time ago. Um, uh, they were acting drama. Yeah. I met actually Aaron in, uh, in college. He was the sub for my teacher. When my teacher would get an acting job and be gone, Aaron would come in and substitute. And he's like, you know, you've got something and you should come and study with me. And I did. I listened to him. <laughs> so were you already working with Aaron Spicer when you decided that you wanted to pursue this as a career? Uh I think I always knew I wanted this as a career. And then I was with Aaron when I started working. You know, when I first started uh, 
you know, meeting agents and managers and going out and doing all of that. So he was, he was with me from the very beginning of my career, but you know, when you're drawn to be an artist, it's, it's always there. <laughs> so let's talk about those beginnings. How, how did it happen? Did you like one day you just woke up and it's like, okay, now I'm going to be an actor and I've got a plan and this, these are the things I'm going to do, or did it all just happen sort of organically? I don't know if it ever happens organically with acting, but um, I started by studying and I would get opportunities because I was just a cute little 21-year-old. Um, I didn't get any opportunities because of my background. People a lot of times think that, but nepotism usually doesn't work very well when all the people have deceased. So um, uh, I even had a very early manager suggest that I change my last name. They thought, oh, let's find something better than Sturgis. And I'm like, I'm like, grandfather's an Academy Award winning writer and, and he's a director, you know. Oh, well, um, I didn't follow that advice. Um, it's also, it's my name. Uh, so I didn't have a plan. I think I just kept going. You know, I just kept auditioning and trying things and picking myself back up. And, um, you know, I had more opportunities when I was young and, and I just kept going, working hard and trying and yeah. Did you have a backup plan if things didn't work out with acting? No. I mean, I, as my grandmother would say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So that's why I had the English degree track, but I didn't actually get my degree until much later. I, uh, I thought, well, you know, there, youth isn't important. I don't, I don't ever think anybody's too old to begin, right? Your, your career, your journey, it starts whenever you're ready to start it. Um, that said, if you know you want to be an actor, getting in the game as early as possible is really helpful because there's opportunities for young people that your competition's much less <laughs> um, in terms of, of, you know, they don't expect a 19-year-old to have a whole lot of experience. So uh, I always encourage people to start early. So I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And if I'm, you know, 30 and it hasn't happened or 40 and it hasn't happened, but I kind of, it not happening, that's really interesting, has never really crossed my mind. It wasn't, uh, you know, I, I I was started working at thirteen, so I I knew I would always have a job. I mean, I did a lot of, uh, you know, you name a job, I've done it in terms of you know, uh, paying the bills. But but knowing that I would be successful or make make a living as an actor kind of always was a, a known quantity for me. Did you have a manager or an agent when you when you started out when you were twenty one, or did you do everything yourself? I I had um, this was pre internet days really so <laughs> um, I had a manager and an agent and uh, my manager helped me get my agent and yeah they would submit me there were certain things that I had found but I you know you get like hard copy. Uh, uh, backstage and look at those and student films and things like that. I was at UCLA. And so if there was a student film that was happening, you know, I might audition for that. So I was, I was staying busy and looking for tape, but I was, uh, lucky. I, because both of my parents had been actors and neither of them had had huge success. 
I understood it was an uphill battle and I understood things don't, even if you get lucky, it's not, you know, don't go in and buy a condo. Um, I actually got like my first two auditions, you know, first two things I ever went out on, I booked, but I didn't think that I knew it was unusual. I knew I was lucky. I I wasn't like, well, you know, I I'm in LA. I'm famous now. You know, I <laughs> Uh so what was your first break? Um Well, I did an episode of Doogie Hauser. <laughs> um that got me my SAG card. That and uh, a Skittles commercial. Um yeah. Uh and and the the episode of Doogie was that was quite a uh, an experience for me. It was really working on the lot, and uh, and then before that I'd done a non union film, and I was the lead in that, and so that was experience being on a set. You know, that's when I I threw a punch and I made my own sound effect. Hmm. <laughs> uh, so and I I met people that I'm still friends with to this day on that set. And, um, but I was, I was broke. Uh, I had no money. There was, it was all deferred pay because it was non-union. And so I swept up the set to make money to, you know, I was the lead, <laughs> one on the call sheet mm-hmm. and I was sweeping up to, uh, you know, I asked, is there something I can do to make some money to get paid? You know, so picking up cigarette butts, you know, but was there was a old hotel in Palm Springs and it was, I don't know if condemned, but it was shut down. And so we filmed there and lived there. It was, it was like summer camp. It was so much fun. <laughs> There's Black Widow spiders and the, the water didn't work in the rooms. You had to go like down the hall to where the showers worked, but it really felt like a, like a summer camp. And I, like I said, I'm still friends with the girl who played my best friend and yeah, Aww. we had a good time. That's so sweet. <laughs> but you did start making money when you joined, um, Days of Our Lives. Yes, right. yes. Yeah. And is I don't know if this is correct. This is on IMDb. Um, 46 episodes? I was in? a contract player, so that sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. So uh, how, how did this happen? Well, I auditioned for it. And I'd auditioned for a lot of... Uh, I'd gone up to Days quite a few times. I think what a lot of people don't understand is, is really relationship building. A lot of times people will... Um, they'll have you read for a character and you're not right for it. That character, that job wasn't yours. Um, So I kept auditioning. I remember one time I auditioned and all the other girls there had their parents with them. And I was in college. I was, you know, an adult. And I was like, can Sally spend the night tonight, mom? And I'm thinking, oh, my boyfriend's spending the night tonight. So I'm like, I might be a little too old for this one. Uh, so you just keep going back until it was the right fit. And my character was still a very naive girl. Um, but yeah, I had I, gone in quite a few times. And then finally, I, I was screen testing for the right role. And then they told me I got it. Actually, on the way to the screen test, uh, I got rear-ended. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get this. I kind of knew that I couldn't have that much bad luck. You know, I was like, oh, this was the universe's way of balancing it out. And it was quite worth it. <laughs> so what does a day in a soap opera set look like? Uh, do you film every day? What time would you start and finish? Um, good question. Although I've got to say my experiences from a million years ago. So a lot of it's changed since then, because back when we shot Days, we would do 
we would do a, a, a dry, we would do total dry block, just get out there and rehearse it. Then we come back for a camera block. Then we come back for a dress rehearsal. Then we'd come back and, and shoot it. So it was a four step thing. Now they just, they call it block and tape. That you come in, you're already in hair and makeup or in 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 the process of it, and then as soon as you're ready, you start you start filming. So it used to take all damn day. <laughs> um, uh, I did another soap where it was owned by the network, and there was some kind of stipulation where it's like you did not go past five thirty. Like the lights were pulled. So like you knew you were going to get out of there. But sometimes, you know, you get out at nine or 10 o'clock. You go in first thing in the morning, six o'clock. So a lot of it's changed. It's gotten much more efficient, I think, as, as time goes on. They realize they don't need all of that that time. How does it work with the scripts or to, here's today's script? We made these changes. You've got 20 minutes to learn it. Is it anything, was it anything like that? Yeah, they don't, it's not quite the same amount of script revisions that you might get on an episodic or a feature because um, the revisions are sort of happen beforehand, but it, it absolutely happens. And when you watch soaps now, you'll realize they're very repetitive. <laughs> You know, it's, it's especially throughout the week, you know, they, they don't want people to tune in and be completely confused about what they're seeing. You know, you tell them and then you tell them again and then you tell them another way and then you explain what happened last week and you say what you're going to do. And so that's easy to remember stuff, you know, and then, and it's the same way that you work when you work in class is you just you know, what do I need? <laughs> What's stopping me from getting it? And how do I go about getting it? And if you understand, and, you know, most of the soaps are love stories. Everybody looking for love. And, and you know, I was a young, innocent girl. And, you know, I had got to lose my virginity on the show. <laughs> yes. Uh, all of those cheesy things that, you know, but people like to watch. It's like, oh, you know. The ice sculpture, you got locked in the van with the ice sculpture. Yes, that happened, that is melting. Um, there was a overflowing, I can't remember, it might've been a different show, you know, the suds from the machine, you know, and a whipped cream on your nose, all of those little things, you know, uh, dressed up like a fairy princess at the, you know, after the ball in front of the fire. What was your preparation process at, at that stage of your career? It was similar to what it is now. You know, you just you break it down and and what is it that I need and how am I going to go about getting that? What about auditions? Did you did you get nervous when you were in auditions or did you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's that's the worst. Um Now that I'm a teacher, I almost wish that all of my students could be a teacher so that they can really understand. Um, it's not about trying to get the job. Everybody always wants to get the job. They want the they want the casting people to like them. They want the producers to like them. And that's not your most of the time that's not your character's goal. And if you let that go and don't care about whether or not they like you, care if they believe you as the character. Um, that's really freeing. And as for some people that takes a, a whole lifetime. I mean, most of the mistakes that I work with my students about are mistakes I've made. You know, I go in there and I, you know, 
like me, hire me, want me. And the more you want the role, the more desperate you, you, you are, you know, this is my chance, you know, you start extrapolating out. And if I get this and then I'll get that and then I'll, you know, and it's no, just honor the character in that moment. There was one, uh, with regards to soap operas, just going slightly back. Um, we we're talking about if you got the script to the last minute or sometimes it might just be day to day. It's a different script to learn. Um, were there any tricks that you used? We heard, um, we interviewed one person. She was saying quite often on set, she's got the script taped on the table or something like that. Um, well, the older generation would actually use cue cards. <laughs> They're great. And then my husband worked at uh, CBS years later and he would sometimes save them. He'd find them, you know, on the set and, you know, because they're so crazy, you know, um, the drama involved in some of these. Um, so that's, you know, and people who've practiced with that can get away with it pretty well, you know. Um, that didn't work for me, but it, you're, if you listen, your lines will come. If you, you know, uh, I never found it was difficult to remember them. And especially as I was saying, on that kind of a schedule, uh, if I got in there at six in the morning, I wasn't actually filming my scenes until, you know, three or four o'clock in the afternoon. You'd have time to run them with your with your scene partners, with the other actors. And, uh, and, and I'm still friends with some of those people as well. Yeah. I've met some wonderful people. I like actors. <laughs> do you remember auditioning for Savannah? Yes, I do. What was the experience like? Um, it was wonderful. It was the, well, the same thing, as I was saying before, I'd gone in and read for Aaron Spelling numerous times, and he was so wonderful and warm and welcoming, and the whole, his whole organization was. And I know they were just waiting for the right part and the right, you know, so I would go in for all of his shows. A lot of them never even made it to the air, but those were those were fun. And I'm trying to remember, I might have read uh, for another character at first. You know, a lot of times they do that till they find the right chemistry. So they'll have people read for different characters. And uh, funny thing about reading Savannah is when I went in and when, when you screen test for something, they never just screen test one person because they want to negotiate with you when you have no power. And that's just standard. So, you know, there was whatever it is, three other girls, four other girls who were testing for Reese Burton. I knew I was the one. I knew that. I could just feel it. And, um, but you know, I saw those other girls and then they, they say, they brought us all in. Savannah started with four girls. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so they brought the four of us in and they looked at us and they went, okay. And then I'm waiting to hear, get the call. And my agent called and they were like, they think maybe, I don't know if they actually used the words, but I could figure it out that I wasn't pretty enough. And I went, I was like, okay, I'll go back in. I'll wear a shorter dress. I'll put on more makeup. I I knew the game. I, I thought I wore like a more long Southern kind of dress. And I went, okay, 
we'll sex it up a little bit. And, um, and then I got it. I sexed it up and I got it. <laughs> and then I made it my goal to get in the People Magazine 50 Most Beautiful issue, just in case there was somebody there who still thought I was, you know, ugly. I was like, okay, don't worry, you made the right choice. I'm not so ugly. We need to find that article when we're promoting this particular episode. It's there. <laughs> did you have fun on set or did it feel like work? Well, actually, where, where did you film? Uh, we filmed in in Atlanta, outside Atlanta, a little in Savannah. Oh, it was so much fun. Every Every day on set as an actor is fun, you know? I mean, I know actors like to complain a lot. <laughs> you know, there's nothing, you know, how do you make an actor complain? give them a job. Um, but it's the best. It's the most fun. You know, there are people that are, you know, and, and most times the crew's enjoying it as well. Everybody's enjoying it. Um, and sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's harder than other days. Sometimes there's things that you don't, you know, if it's a particularly emotional scene or um, something that's just physically difficult, uh, being, you know, it's a hot summer night and it's freezing in Atlanta. Um but, you know, you really got to check yourself if you're complaining. You're so very lucky to have this opportunity. And you can, I know people who, you know, are on shows and they want to be on a better show or they're not having fun. And I understand that. And I'll, I'll listen to people, you know, creatively. But there's class, there's opportunities for, for people that are limited creatively. Any series, no, I'll take that back. A lot of times a series might be limiting creatively for somebody. You know, if you're doing the same thing year after year, there are some some shows that have a little more variety, but some, you know, people wanted to tune in and see Reese be beautiful and naive. You know, nobody wanted to see me be the one stealing somebody's boyfriend, you know, so I just got to, I don't understand. <laughs> um, I could ask about accents. Uh, not Scottish accents, but um, <laughs> were you, so did you, what work did you do for the Southern style accent for Savannah? Um, well, I went to Savannah, Georgia, and I listened to the people and I talked to them. My, my mother was from uh, North Carolina and New Orleans. So I think when I get lazy, I always go into a Southern accent. It's real easy for me. But, um, and it's more the Eastern Southern. There's a different sound with Texas Southern. There's, um, and everybody's got a variety. I mean, I know one of our reviews said, you know, we've got three Southern girls that all have a different accent. All right. Nobody, you know, from production felt very worried that we, you know, and then all of our parents had different accents as well. Um, But yeah, I, one of the women that I spoke with, because um, I and I spoke to very wealthy people in, in Savannah, uh, because that was my character's background, you know. So I remember she had a daughter who was in the Air Force, and I thought, oh, if I talk like that, every episode will take too long. <laughs> I can't. But she had a wonderful voice, you know. How did your life change when you, you know, you were starring in the show? Did you, did you feel famous? Um, well, I had a taste of fame from Days of Our Lives. Uh, that was my first touch of fame. Um, and, you know, for both of those things, money. <laughs> when you're making money, that's, 
that's nice. When you've been waiting tables and sweeping up cigarette butts on set, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I can buy the chicken that's not on sale? Like, you know, I still, I'm like, do I really want it? Because if something else is on sale right next to it, I have poverty mentality and I always will. (laughs) Um, But when you have strangers recognize you, that's weird when it first starts happening, when all of a sudden you realize somebody's just staring at you and you're like, what is it? And that they know you, they think they know you. Um, You know, if I, uh, it's sad sometimes to lose your anonymity. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful things that happen with fame and I, you know, but you know, if let's if I see somebody next to me picking their nose in their car, I could care less. But if I look over and it's Matt Damon, you know, I'm going to be telling everybody that for the rest of my life. <laughs> Were there any disadvantages of being, you know, recognized and and not celebrity? able to pick my nose anymore? Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, those are the disadvantages that as an actor, you're uh, an observer, you watch people and you watch behavior. And when people are watching you, that shuts it down. So, um, I would sometimes, and it was seemed like such a stupid cliche to wear sunglasses, but it was just better to not make eye contact with people, you know? It's just, it, it, it because if they can't see your eyes, sometimes they're not sure. By the way, for anybody who's not in the LA area, if you see somebody and you think it's fill in the blank, it is. <laughs> it's how they look when they've got, they're in charge of dressing themselves and doing their own hair and makeup. It always is. You know, people tell me, oh, you look like Shannon Sturgis. Oh, thank you. I think she's so beautiful. <laughs> um. Did you ever read the show reviews of your performance at the time and and Savannah, taking that as an example? Yes, I, I've read a lot of my reviews, um, which is not a good idea. <laughs> but luckily, it, 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 you know, when people tune in specifically to an Aaron Spelling show, they know what they're getting. So you're not, you know, it's not like you're looking for some gritty HBO type style, you know. Um, so we never really got bad acting reviews necessarily. It's, it's, um, but you want to he- see a good acting review. It's, it's, you shouldn't look, look at reviews as seeking approval. But that said, I know we're human. We we want somebody to say yes. Look at this shining light in the middle of everything, you know. <laughs> and the reviews, uh, because this was the days before the internet. And did you experience any of the internet onslaught? Because that's um, reviews or comments that can happen anywhere, Twitter or Facebook or one of the many things. Y- yes, and. Uh, later for some of like the TV movies and things. And people are nasty and vicious and you want to let something roll off your back. I I don't even want to give him the dignity. I don't want anybody to dig it up. But I remember some just terrible comment about my looks uh, on something that where I felt I looked pretty good. (laughs) I'm like, wait till they see what I look like when I don't have people taking care of my hair and makeup. Um, I was like, what's the point? But then you realize, who are the people who feel the need to make comments about somebody's looks online? You know, they're 
sad little people. They are really, they're exercising their own pain. And, uh, you know, even, even reviews that aren't worthwhile, right? Sometimes there is a review where there's a, something about a performance that, you know, okay, I can see that, where that's coming from. But when it's mean-spirited, um, you know, that's, that's their mental problems. And there's a lot of people with mental problems <laughs> and wanting their own bit of fame and wanting their own attention. And this is their way of getting attention. They don't have to create any content. They can rip down the content that other people have created. That's so true. Um, Savannah got canceled after two seasons. Um, how did it make you feel? Oh, we knew it was going. Yeah? We knew. They were the WB at that time, which is now the CW, was shifting towards more young and hip. And while I was young compared to now, and I have hips, <laughs> we were not so young and hip. And um, yeah, we felt it was coming. Not everybody did, but I knew. I knew it was coming. I'd put in an offer on a house and I made it contingent on the show getting picked up because I had a feeling it wasn't. Um Uh, I bought another house, although the other one I would have made way more money, but now I'm living in the same house. And yeah, uh, it's, it's, you know, how lucky somebody is to get an audition for a pilot, to book a pilot, to have that pilot go to series, to have that pilot go to series for a full order, and then to get a second season. It's, you know, so three would have been wonderful, but, uh, you know, two was great. Oh, have you ever been in a situation, we heard about this, so um, it's pilot season, or when people are auditioning for pilot season, uh, someone, they book the part, or they get locked into the part, and they have to sign something saying they can't audition for anything else, and then, I guess, end the pilot season, then they go with someone else for the part. Um, they recast. Yeah, they recast. So the person hasn't been able to audition for anything else other than the show. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> happens a lot. It happens all the time. I mean, as the actor, you're at the mercy of the producers in the network. And sometimes they know or they're pretty sure that the show's not going to go or that they're going to recast. But, you know, they paid you. And part of, you know, you get paid usually more than you would for a regular job. So that, you know, a burden hand, you know, that they don't want you to get booked on something else. Sometimes uh, they'll have you do like a recurring or, a, you know, and then it gets a little, you know, you've got a couple of jobs. Sometimes it seems like there's some actors that like, really, you can't find another actor. He's doing everything, <laughs> you know, but they're hot and uh, people trust a known quantity. But yes, there's, um, you know, or I love when you don't get something And an actor or friend will say, that's okay, you'll get something else. And then that time period comes and goes and you've gotten nothing during that time. <laughs> You're like, okay, no, I didn't. Did you have any preference um, regarding acting in movies or acting on TV? Not really. They're different and they're both fun and they both have benefits. You know, there and then there's... There's... Then stage work and set work, you know, if you're doing a sitcom, that's a much more manageable life for somebody. If you're doing a soap opera, I mean, that's a great life for somebody who 
wants stability and family life. Um, if you're doing movies, that's a very nomadic life. You're living out of a suitcase, you're uh, on the road, that's fun too. But when you have kids, that becomes a little more difficult. Television, um, television is an accelerated pace. There's wonderful work to be done in television. Um, there's also crap work to be done, you know, but movies too, you know. I mean, I think sometimes when we think of movies, we think about the Academy Awards and there's a lot of movies that aren't anywhere close to Academy Award material, you know. I mean, there's no television that's $100 a day, mm -hmm. which is what a lot of uh, low-budget movies are. So, yeah, they each have their own uh, benefits and challenges. You mentioned being in a Skittles commercial. Did you do any more act, uh, commercial acting? Uh, yes. Um, I did quite a few commercials. They were great money. And it was a little better, I think, back in the day. And the same thing is with um, uh, pilots. You know, a lot of times if you do a commercial for one product, that stops you from being able to do commercial. They don't want one person, you know, doing all the cars. <laughs> so if you do a car, you can't do another one. Yeah, I did a... Um, did a Chevy commercial, made a lot of money from that one. Yeah, Alec Baldwin was the voiceover. Um, what other commercials did I do? Uh, $5 clothing store commercial where I just was that, that but that was an acting skill because I didn't think I was sexy, but I went in there and I was sexy dancer girl. And then they put me in all their $5 clothing and I danced up against a chain link fence with all my hair. Yeah, that was a fun one. I, you know, and I don't, I, I don't even know if I have copies of some of those things, you know, back in be, the olden days. That would be fun to watch. <laughs> it would be. I, I, one time I had some of those on my reel, you know, little clips from my commercials. You might uh, find a Shannon Sturgis fan page on the internet somewhere. I found some and they're a little scary sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm really <laughs> grateful to anybody who's a fan and anybody who saved any of that. I'm so grateful. But, you know, you discover that there's like reviews of your feet, you know, that there's like people who just like pull out pictures of my feet or whatever it is. There was once my husband was really worried there was... Um, because in the beginning, you know, you Google yourself and he Googled me and, and discovered that it was like Shannon nude scenes and all this stuff. And I hadn't done any nudity and which now I encourage all my actresses to do nudity. <laughs> what was I thinking? I should have done nudity. Um, but anyway, and I was like, what, what do they have? So we joined some celebrity skin site for free for a month. <laughs> what that does to your browsing history and <laughs> your virus. Oh boy. And there really wasn't any, there were some sexy photos of me, but there was nothing nude. So yeah, I've forgotten the question. Uh, fan sites. Oh, right. Yeah. Which sound like they can get very creepy very quickly. <laughs> and being on a soap opera too, um, there has been some, I'll run across those sometimes, some, you know, dedicated to, you know, super couple to Molly and Tanner. My character was Molly. And, and like, those are so sweet. It's like, oh my gosh, look at me back then. It's very sweet, you know, to see those things edited together. It's like, bless her heart. You know, it's like a whole other person. <laughs> well, the next question I'll take is into an entirely new thing about teaching. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> uh, how did you get into acting teaching? 
Aaron had, Aaron Spicer, uh, my partner, he'd wanted me to uh, teach for years. He knew that I had the gift and I would make comments and things to him. And, and when I first tried, I think I was too young. Um, you know, here I was, you know, 30 years old and fresh off of Aaron Spelling series. And so I don't think I really had the gravitas for people to uh, respect what I was saying. Um, although I, you know, I, and I wasn't ready. I, I feel that uh, to be a good teacher, I couldn't be in class anymore. And I wasn't ready to give up class and I wasn't ready to give up acting. And I know there's some teachers that are are still pursuing acting. And I'll tell you my theory, behind, reasoning behind that. And I have, I have a big opinion about that is that to be a great actor, you have to be able to fail. You have to be able to screw up. And I didn't think that going into class and failing would give people comfort in my giving them notes, that they might understand it intellectually, but emotionally, they weren't going to be able to say, how am I going to listen to that girl who just was horrible the other day in class? Um, so when I was really ready to stop and uh, really ready to teach, um, you know, Aaron gave me one class and it became the most popular class at the studio. And I continued to, every one of my classes that I took grew. And and then when we talked about me buying the studio and then, you know, we doubled our enrollment, you know, I, I have a real, I have a gift for what I do. I love it. It's what I was meant to do. It was what I was meant to do more than acting. This is my calling. How did it feel the very first time you taught your first class? Well, it was a slow process. So, um, cause like there was times when, like I said, when I substituted for Aaron back, you know, when I was in my twenties, um, a little scary, you know, that I didn't want to be critical of people, but I wanted to help them and I could see what the problems were. And every once in a while, you know, at the beginning of my teaching, I wouldn't know what the problem was, but I know there was a problem. <laughs> So it's just going through that. It, it, the ironic thing is, is I'm a much better actor now because I'm the best teacher. <laughs> and so I truly under, that's why I would say in a way it would be wonderful to have an opportunity for all of my students to get to be a teacher. Um, but I don't because I want a safe environment for all of my students because sometimes you don't understand what it is. Like I've tried you know, teachers sometimes that aren't so uh, nurturing or um, don't understand the process because the wrong critique can shut somebody down. And it doesn't mean maybe the notes were wrong. It's just the way that it's delivered. It's the way, um, but I'm a much, like I said, it's, I, I'm so much better because I truly understand the idea of letting go and being able to fail. And I think we, uh, Actors so badly want to please. They want to please the audience. They want to please the producer, the director, the casting director. And that doesn't lead to good acting. I don't even know if I want to ask this next question because um, you said it was a conscious decision switching from being an actor to being a teacher. But do you think that you would have done it 
had you had more success after Savannah, if if you booked some really, really big roles? That's a great question. I don't think so. I mean, I think, and, and I did. After Savannah, I got a lot of wonderful movies. I uh, went around the world doing some television movies. And um, so I think if I had been busy acting, then I wouldn't have been teaching. I mean, you know, I, I would see other people on set and I could see them struggling sometimes and I know what I could say or do to help them, but I knew it also wasn't my place to come over to somebody and say, you know, you, I can help you out of this, this issue you're having. Um, so no, I don't think I would have. Um, and it's so wonderfully creative. You know, I, 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 I get a chance to do all of my acting. I get a chance to entertain <laughs> and I get a chance to, uh, eat too. So it's really a win-win. <laughs> Were there any of the uh, famous acting coaches who you maybe see a bit of yourself in or who you admired a lot? Uh, some of the, like, Uta Hagen or Stella... Stella? Adler. Adler, yeah. uh, people like that. Um, that's an interesting question. I don't think so. I think I'm my my own thing. Um, uh, and they're both brilliant. You know, they were both brilliant teachers. Um, I get to have sort of a more modern approach, a, a less theater-based approach, because they're both theater-based. Yeah. And most, a lot of the, you know, and it's what's interesting is when a lot of people think about acting coaches, they think about male acting coaches. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody asks me about the Kaminsky method and Barry, yep. and I'm like, where are the ladies? Um, uh, but... I understand why they do that, you know, I, anyway. Um, but so, no, I think I, I, I sort of blaze my own trail. I, I, uh, I'm going to have to think about this for a little bit. I like it though. Um, you mentioned the Kaminsky method uh -huh. um, and Barry as well. Um, how realistic are they? Um, you know, they're pretty realistic. The one thing I, that I'm not, that I don't love about either of those shows necessarily. And I understand why it happens. I feel like they, they, they take pot shots at actors. They make fun of actors. It's sort of the low hanging fruit to uh, make fun of the bad actor. And um, so I, I feel a little protective of my students mm -hmm. and I understand it's a TV show, you know, and I understand that Chuck Lorre has had a lot of bad experiences with actors. So maybe it's a little retribution on his part. Um, uh, so I think I think all of the actors on those shows are wonderful and they do an amazing job. Um, but sometimes making fun of actors, it, you know, I understand why they do. And there are there are funny things that happen where you, somebody will say or do something in class and you'll, you know, hit your head or you'll go, right, how am I going to approach this? But everybody's human. Everybody, you know, it's 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 acceptable to make fun of actors, but there's so many other people it's not acceptable to make fun of. And it's they're just as human. But that said, you know, I love a good zoolander, you know, and that's making fun of models, you know, so <laughs> Well, let's talk about your students. Um, maybe not specifically your students, uh -huh. just students in general. Uh -huh. um, do you ever see 
people who get into acting classes and you just know for a fact that they're extremely unsuited for a career in acting and in Hollywood? That's do you a think hard question. Or do you think any anybody can be saved? Um, yes, anybody can be saved. Um, but And then on the other hand, who am I to say? Like, I'll see somebody and I'll think, oh, I don't know. But if they want to explore it, I mean, I don't think any everybody who picks up a paintbrush is going to be Picasso or Van Gogh. Who am I to say what some what's going to be somebody's taste later, you know? And there are people that make it later in life. I think it's a fearlessness. If people can really let go of trying to perform, that's when they get amazing. And 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 I can't guarantee that somebody'll have a career, but I can guarantee it'll change your life for the better. There is nothing, you know, it, it makes you a more understanding and compassionate person. It, it's, it's like taking a psychology course with an art class combined. You know, it's, it is so much fun. You know, now if somebody says to me, you know, I, 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 I'm giving myself a year till I make it as a star and I go, well, then what is your goal? Right? What is somebody's goal in this business? If your goal is fame, that's a effed up goal to have in the first place. Right? No, that that's somebody destined for therapy. They should just start right. And, and therapy is a great thing for everybody, whether they're effed up or not. Um, but if what you want is fame, love and acceptance from the world and strangers, that's that's not a good reason to go into acting. Won't make you a good actor. So with class, is there another way you could uh, advertise, I don't mean business advertising, mm -hmm. but some people will say, well, I want to be an actor, I want to be a famous actor, I need to go to class. Are there other reasons that you would suggest that someone should go to class? Someone might say, oh, I've, I've never acted before, why would I act? Then you could say, well, if you go to class, these things could happen. I, I think I should take a look. I think probably 30% of my students don't necessarily want to be actors. They want to explore. It's something they've always been interested in, curious about. They're uh, shy. I have a lot of introverts, people who are afraid of public speaking, very inhibited, and they just want to do something completely outside. They want to push themselves past our comfort zone. Now, I'm sure deep inside there's one part of them that goes, you know, I've always kind of wanted to do this. I've always been a little interested. Um, so I'll have doctors come in or people who, lawyers, want to know how to talk to a, um, a jury, want to know how to communicate. I think it's helpful. I think anything out like that is helpful. What drives you absolutely insane when you're working with students? Is it lack of preparation or somebody's got a big ego or something else? Not listening. Uh, when I'm working with somebody and they're not listening. And again, I understand where it's coming from. Oftentimes it's coming from a defensive position. They, you know, sometimes people, you know, just want to be told that they're brilliant. And, you know, sometimes after a certain amount of time trying to work with somebody, I'll go, oh, you know what? You're right. That's great. Let's move on. Right. And then they'll get it. Then they stop getting notes and they're like, I want you to be tough on me. And I'm like, no, you don't because you don't listen to me. 
You're not listening to a word I'm saying. I'm trying to help you and you're not listening. They'll get it that way. You know, as I, I've learned, that's one of the things that I've learned as I've been doing this for so long now is I don't need to waste my time. If you're not willing to put in the time, if you're not willing to, you know, and yes, people being unprepared will drive me crazy. There's lots of things that drive me crazy <laughs> that people do, you know, but it's, it's their process. You know, I'm trying to help them to be a better actor and to be a truthful actor. And if they don't want to listen, you know, they've usually got a scene partner who will. <laughs> and then I've got something to work with there. This is a good one. Oh, because uh, the other ones were so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we hear you say to students a lot, let go. Um, a lot. <laughs> um, what does it mean to you? And how does it manifest on stage? I guess it's... Um, well, let me just, what does it mean to you? Yes. It's, <laughs> so what, You're clearly not listening, Campbell, in class. Um, well, are you suggesting it's what does it mean to one or what does it mean to Shannon? No, no. What is it? Well, Shannon's asking you what it means to you. Oh, what it means to me. Yes. Um, How would you interpret that? Well, this, this kind of created the question. Uh-huh. Uh, some Good of it's, confusion. Um, there, <laughs> and there were some, some examples of um, you're scared to do something. Um, there may be a risk like uh, trying an accent or something. You might fail at doing that accent or uh, your character dances a bit or something. You're scared of doing that. Um, letting go might help or the other one is uh trying to completely not relax into it but stop thinking i guess stop thinking that you're performing uh try and just be in the moment as much as possible i guess that went all over the place you did so this is good there's confusion but it really pertains to all of those things but mostly it's the idea of you've done your preparation that's when you've worked on your accent. That's when you've worked on the exploration. And it's letting go of the idea of the performance, of where you think the scene's going to go, what the control. Oh, I have this moment planned out where I'm thinking she'll say this and then I'll look at her and I'll do the cute. You know, if you're in your head in those moments, you're not in the present moment. Be another way of saying letting go is to be present. And people are so rarely present that they don't even recognize that they're so rarely present. And I suffer from this as well. Everybody does. You know, so you're anticipating, you're ahead to the next line. Oh, there's that line that confuses me or that tongue twister in that line. I don't know how to say that word or I always forget that line. So you're ahead thinking about that or you're behind like, oh, I, I didn't get a laugh there. I thought I would get a laugh there. Or I didn't like the way I came into the room. And you're not in the present moment. You're in the moment behind or you're in the moment ahead. And to let go is to let go of all of that. And when you let go, something terrible could happen. But also brilliance can happen. And sometimes terrible is brilliant. And you won't know unless you let go. And it's a constant fight with almost everybody. And when people ask me, what is talent? I think the ability to really let go, to be in the present moment, to not care, to you've got to do your work. And then, and then that person is so open and available. And it's exciting. And when you see people doing that kind of work, 
it's exciting, but then people want to break it down and go, well, what? It? And of course, it's they've done their preparation, their character work, all that, but they've also risked to completely let go. It's like we so rarely do it that I have to always sort of find these examples. It's stripping naked, right? So it's not that I want people to come into class and be naked, you know, I, please no. Um, you're kidding, you know how distracting that would be? I'd be like, you know, uh, <laughs> but it's to be that vulnerable and that open and that free. Um, you know, emotionally, it's think about the way we act when we're totally alone and nobody sees us, right? To be able to be that way in front of a camera is such a miraculous thing. We crave it. That's why we watch movies and, and TV shows and we crave it. And yet it's really scary, you know? What if, 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 you know? people saw who I really am or what I really think or that I really could be that person who does and says those bad things or doesn't uh, behaves that way. Uh, I was working with an actor on something where she had to be abused. And I said, if you do this like you should, people are going to be worried about you. Just the audition. I said, people are going to think you've tapped into something truthful and real, and they're going to be worried about you. That's good acting. I said, but then sometimes you want to let people know, no, I'm okay. Or no, I'm not really a bitch. Or no, I'm not really whatever it is. So we find ways of letting the audience know, you know, I'm not really a racist. I'm not really uh, uh, an innocent, whatever the character is. And you've got to trust that when you put it out there, it should be believed. It's a perfect answer. I think I'm going to transcribe that, uh, print it out. <laughs> you teach both obviously group classes, but also you do private coaching. And I'm, I was wondering, is it one better than the other or is it like each of them serves a different purpose? That's a, another excellent question on an excellent podcast. <laughs> I won't just compliment your questions. Um, uh, as a fan of the podcast myself, they serve different purposes. Um, I think they're both important. Um, more affordable is the group classes, I think, and oftentimes more necessary. Um, the people who only want to do private coaching, unless they're a celebrity, I, I wonder what they're avoiding. You know, because I think it's good because it's 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 not so risky to just work with me. And it is, you know, I, I know I'm going to push people to places, but to just be one on one, we can get in depth. It can be really useful. But to get up in front of your peers or in front of strangers or and and put up work is, I think, really important part of the process as well you know, is allowing people to be a voyeur into you and your process as your character. Moving on to actors in movies. So um, set actors like Leonardo DiCaprio or Jennifer Lawrence, um, is there something in particular that sets them apart from the rest of the pack? Or, or is it luck? Well, I sort of want to turn this back around on you guys for a second, but I won't. I'll answer. <laughs> Because 
And the reason I want to turn it back around is just what is it that you see in them? And I'm going to take it and you are still welcome to answer on your own podcast. Um, but uh, I think it's what I was talking about before, that letting go, that Jennifer Lawrence is so present, anything could happen. Leonardo DiCaprio is so free and it's exciting. I don't know where it's going to go. Who wants to 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 do a maze that's a straight line? <laughs> Who wants to do some where somebody's shown you the map and you know exactly where it's going, right? It's that excitement of the unexpected. And I think that they both would allow themselves to fail. Uh, one of, you know, I saw some of Jennifer Lawrence's early work and was really captivated by her in her early work. It was, wow. Same with Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm -hmm. uh, this Boy's Life is an amazing performance. He got a lot of notoriety for What's Eating Gilbert Grape, but I, I felt like it, it, once he, he hooked into that character's affectations, you know, for, for Gilbert Grape, but, but This Boy's Life, he was so free and vulnerable and in so much pain. And those are some of the things that I saw in Jennifer Lawrence's early work. Uh, the Burning Plane, I think, is one, and The Beaver was another. Uh, so I think that's what the actors have that we love and excite us. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen next. The Kate Blanchett's, the like, oh, there's a... And it's real life. And then then the problem that sometimes people have is we feel we know them and we don't know them. We know their characters. We don't know who they are, but they're so believable as those characters. We think we're just peeking into them in their life. You know, we think we know who they are. I guess when I asked the question, I suggested luck, but luck, um, cause Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, they're very consistent. Mm -hmm. So, uh, with regards to luck, sometimes you may be uh, reading for something and then the stars align, the, the chemistry just works. You create this extremely iconic character. That might just be pure luck. I guess that's what I was thinking about. Um, and generally, I'd rather be consistent. Unless <laughs> that iconic character got, got you millions of dollars or something. Um, but as I uh, was... Well, they say, you know, luck meets preparation. Right. I mean, uh, luck is uh, um, or opportunity means preparation. I mean, it's lucky that they're both incredibly attractive. That's lucky. Um, uh, so who knows? They both started very young. <laughs> right. But then you can look at actors who, who started later in life or uh, that are. Uh, I think it's that ability to let go, to be free. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o, right? She's just exciting to look at and, and to, to watch. It's an interesting answer because um, I think when um, Lauren put this question specifically together, uh, I don't think she expected that answer. I think she probably thought that the answer is going to be, you just have to do a lot of work rather than just just let go. Obviously, you have to do a lot of preparation, but then it's just, I think you answered it perfectly. Yeah. I love that answer. And when, when people start very young, 
it's not that they're not talented, right? Uh, I've got a young actress, who Anna Panowski, who's starring in a movie right now, and she's gotten the most amazing reviews I've ever read. Staggering revelation is what the LA Times called her. And she's amazing. And she works so hard, but she doesn't have years of acting training but she gets truthful and real and, and and she's got a younger sister who's equally brilliant um and you think they're just being them you you don't realize the process if you if you see the work right if you see leonardo or jennifer or somebody putting in the work then that's not a good performance right even though I'm hoping they've put in the work. And there are people who are playing a version of themselves and get lucky like that, but they don't usually have a career. They have a movie. Yeah. They have a TV series, but they don't have a career. Because this is something that we've talked about a lot, luck versus talent. Um, I I really dislike the word talent um, because talent to me, it's sometimes sounded like it's just a head start. It's purely a head start. Um, you can do the work. You I might have got your foot in the door because of that, but after that, it's just going to be luck if if you don't do the work or the preparation. And then that begs the question: What is talent? And I think talent—I'm going full circle in here—is letting go, as just being there and being present, and that's talent. They still have, you know. I mean, uh, you still have to do the work. There, there are, and I think there are people who are very talented who are lazy and don't do the work and they don't have careers either. Cause if, if you're playing a, a Nazi, for example, and you don't do any research into what that means, even though you're able to let go, there's still work. There's somebody else who hopefully is doing the work and has the talent to let go. This that's another perfect answer. I'm going to transcribe I'm that so one. So perfect. As well. You can send those to me. All those. Um, you also coach um, actors on big movie sets. You, you did mention is it Fast and Furious? Uh -huh. One of the um, Fate of the Furious. Fate of the Furious. One of the Fast and Furious. Um, do you prepare actors in advance of the filming, or does it happen mostly like in between scenes? How does it work? It depends on who's hired me and what my role is on set. So um, for for Fate, uh, I was hired by the director and I worked with him and with all the actors. And there's so many actors in that. Sometimes it's hard to keep track on everybody. And we had amazingly wonderful actors of all abilities as well as two Academy Award winners. Um, so sometimes it was between scenes. Sometimes it was as we were rewriting something. Sometimes it's just to be an emotional support. Um, that set in many ways was a very emotionally fragile set because of everybody's love for Paul and being the first movie that was made without him um, brought up a lot of stuff for people. Um, and they're all incredibly generous and loving actors. Um, and then... For instance, there's actors from that set that I've worked with since that I just prep them for a film, right? So let's just go over the script. Let's go over the beats. Let's talk about the character. Let's talk about what you can bring to it. 
Um, yeah, so it's it's different. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll watch on set and I'll have an idea and I'll say it to the director or to the actor. It just depends on what's going on in my role in that moment. And did the actors um, sometimes maybe ignore your advice on set? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, I never interpreted it that way. Maybe that they weren't able to take my note. Um, uh, and you know, no, it's it's a collaboration. So just as as when I'm in class and I might say, you know what, let's try this. What do you think about this? And, you know, they might go, no. You know, ultimately, they're the ones doing it. It's their face on screen. They're the ones who are creating that moment. So it's their performance. I'm just there to help them, to support them, to, you know, when, you, when you're on a set and you look around, you've got a whole group of people there to support the camera department. And you've got a whole bunch of people to support the hair and makeup. And you've got all of these, you know, visual effects and special effects. And um, there's not a whole group of people there to support the actor. Uh, they have a personal assistant, but that's in terms of helping them live their life while they're on set. And there's a director who's in charge of everything. And there's a producer who's charging everything. And sometimes those producers are also the stars. So... I think if somebody can afford it to have an acting coach on set is a wonderful thing. It can be a little boring for me <laughs> because, you know, I don't think I'm needed there every day for most things. But um, but it's just a little support. Somebody who who I'm not looking for anything else. I'm not going to mention to the sound department or the camera department that something's not working. I'm just looking at that actor in that performance. And, you know, did they anticipate that line? Did they remember their relationship with this other person that's not on the set right now, you know, what's your relationship with your daughter or whatever. And it's like, oh, right, right. You know, putting it all together. You know, I just, I have the luxury of just having my little sliver to worry about. Have you ever had any actors on set and they're doing okay, they're doing consistently well, and you've maybe talked to them about their preparation and there's nothing there. And then you might think, how, how are you doing this? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm trying to think. Um, I, I, that has not really happened, although I suspect it, in some ways it has. And let me explain what I mean by that. Um, there's a lot of actors who don't understand their process. So if I were to ask them that question, they'd feel foolish because they don't have they 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 do have a process they haven't really broken it down so and i don't ever want to make somebody feel foolish and if what they've got is working for them i'm not going to mess with that <laughs> if they've got they're putting out consistently good performances they're usually playing themselves or a version of themselves or not going too far into characters but that works Nobody's going to teach them how to do that role better than themselves. You know, if, if people come to me for help because they want to do something different, um, then I'm really happy to do that, especially with somebody who's talented and somebody who's, who's maybe talented in another event. You know, I work with a lot of 
uh, singers, rappers, dancers, so people who are very talented in one arena who are then getting opportunities in the acting arena. And almost everybody on some level feels like a fraud. They feel like like they haven't earned it. Um, they aren't entitled. And they have, right? But, but they all feel like, oh, you know, it, it, trust me, the acting coach shows up on set and, you know, it's like I'm the police. Everybody starts sitting up straighter or whatever. It's like, I'm not there to judge. I'm there to help. I'm there to be an extra resource. And, but everybody feels so insecure, you know, oh, oh, you know, they want me to know, I, I know what I'm doing here and I know what's happening here. And I'm, I know. I I value where they got a part. I mean, I've been asked to be on some pretty uh, some like uh, recently a, a big uh, TV show. Uh, I, it ended up not happening, but excellent actors, excellent production, and I don't know why production want. I, maybe they're not happy with the performances. Maybe somebody else feels like something's necessary. Maybe there's infighting among the producers and they're bringing somebody else and maybe somebody didn't want this actor ever cast. I don't know. I just want to show up, support the actor. I'm there to support the actor. And um, yeah. Well, let's talk about your heroes. Um what actors do you find exciting today? The performances that sort of moved you? Oh. Mm. I didn't think I read that question. That's a good question. Yeah, the, the, some preparation <laughs> was required for this question. Oh, shoot. Um, well, since I just saw the movie with my student, with Anna Panowski and Casey Affleck, and they're both wonderful, as is everybody else in that movie. That moved me recently. I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I love Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. I thought they were both. And I've loved Margot Ro Robbie and everything she's been in. Um, you know, I think she probably has one that that pretty girl not getting credit kind of thing. Um, and though she does get credit, but, uh, you know, like, um, Charlize Theron, you know, it's like when she played monster, she got her Academy Award and, and she was wonderful in that, but it's kind of like, oh, they're so beautiful. We can't just give them awards as well, <laughs> but when they've earned it, um, yeah, I really liked once upon a time in Hollywood. I thought that was so, uh. I just love those characters, the little girl in that. I have no idea who she is in terms of, you know, but she was wonderful. Um, those are all performances that have moved me. Anybody who makes me forget that I'm an acting teacher, <laughs> right? If I'm sitting there dissecting the performance and something's not working for me, I have to look back on that later and say, well, maybe that wasn't a great performance or the directing or something else got in the way. Because I, like everybody else, just want to be transported. Mm -hmm. I just want to be entertained. I just want to be moved and have that experience. So we know that um, casting directors watch movies and a TV um, series in a different way. They cannot get transported anymore to a certain extent because they, they're just looking at all the faces. And it's like, well, do I know this person? Should we... Should we talk to them and sort of build a roster? But um, how often do you find yourself 
judging performance of, of actors? Well, when it's bad, I can't help it. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, oh, I, I saw something recently with three Academy Award nominated actresses in it. And I was like, uh. <laughs> um, one actress was anticipating a lot and there was just, and, and, I, and actresses that I really like and really admire. So um, it, it's on a, on the basis of just when I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, that wasn't very good. Oh, right. I, I, and I watch a lot of amateur stuff as well, you know, in terms of people giving me their reels to watch and, you know, so I, I get the full range, you know, I, and and I'm telling you, even people that are well-established household names, some want to be better, some feel like they're frauds, some feel like they just got, you know, a break. And I want everybody to feel that they've earned it. And they have, even if I don't particularly like them as an actor, right? I mean, there are people like that where I'm like, eh, yeah. Not my cup of tea. Doesn't mean that they're not good. Doesn't mean that they're not. It's just, I don't like it. It's that chemistry you were talking about earlier. You know, sometimes you, when I run my audition technique class, some, once I had a part and it was two guys, they're friends. And so I gave one set of sides to three actors and I gave the other set of sides to another three actors. And there was a clear favorite, you know, the best cast person for each of those, right? But then when you put those two people together, they didn't look like friends. So if you were really casting that that show, one of those actors who was the best for his part wouldn't have gotten it. Because you've got that chemistry too. You've got to put those people together and go, there's so much that goes into not getting a part. I wish people would understand that too. You take it all personally and I understand what else are you going to do but take it personally. But there are some things completely beyond your control. Well, perhaps this is a perfect segue into the next question. Um, if you knew, if you were starting as an actor today with everything that you know, what would you do and what would you you wouldn't do? I do nudity. <laughs> <laughs> However, that's when you're asking that question, um, that's unless you've got a time travel machine, it's like saying, uh, would you like to be 21 again? And I always think, no, <laughs> I don't want to be 21 again. But, you know, in a way, I feel like I do have a time machine because I have 21 year old students and I have these people at the beginning of their career. And if I can save them some of the things that I did wrong in terms of if I really understood to let go, that it doesn't matter, that this desire to have them like me and approve of me is completely out of my control, completely. Um, I wish I really got that back then. I really, um, you know, and in some days, this is my old lady talk, you know, you kids have it so easy these days. You know, when I started, we didn't get our sides emailed to us. Y'all have it so lucky. Um, you know, I had to like drive to my agents and pick it up on an out, uh, you know, outside in the box. And then you'd see who else is going up for your role. You're like, oh, 
And then like another actress have a big thick packet and then you're, oh, okay, they're going out. And then I'd wonder like who got there before me that they've already picked up their packet, you know, that little part of me like, well, maybe I'll just take her packet. I never did that. Don't think it didn't cross my mind. Clearly it did. Um, that competitive and, and jealousy. Um, that there isn't any competition. I'd like to, actors to know that um, because they think, oh, there's always that one person I'm going up against or those other people. And it's really you. It's like your best self, you know, that, that it's... Who am I going to bring in? Nobody else is going to take apart from you, and you're not going to take apart from somebody else. You're just going to go in there and do your work, do your art, and then let it go. And is anything majorly different, I guess, when you were acting, aside from having to drive and go pick up your sides? Um, are, are, there anything's, are there things that are just still the same, an addition is still an addition, or are there things that make it different now? Honestly, it's very different. I mean, and of course, an audition still an audition, but um, you were rarely, when I started, rarely filmed during an audition, which of course makes so much sense, but it used to be that they'd have to let you know ahead of time that a camera was going to be there. And it's like, now, it, you know, and then slowly it just started, you'd see a camera all the time, but they used to have to ask you your permission. Self tapes never happened. I think that's a wonderful addition. Again, the ability to be able to get your material from your home is really nice. Uh, though I did have some agents that would messenger scripts and, and auditions. That was really nice. Until you stop making a lot of money than the messenger. But then the internet happened. Um, there's a lot more. I guess everything's gotten better. Um, there's a lot more opportunities with all of the streaming services and and HBO and Showtime and all of the uh, Comedy Central, all the extra channels, uh, there's less money. Uh, there's there's more. I, I recognize that this might sound disingenuous or. Uh, I never forget that I get my money from people who are acting that it's the students who, who pay me. Um, but there's a lot of people looking to make money off the actors. And if there's a population that's vulnerable or um, maybe does not have extra funds, it's oftentimes actors. So, you know, I'll, I'll see these very expensive real companies pop up. And, and of course, nobody has to do any of that or some other classes or teachers or coaching that maybe you know, I think, wow, they're charging those people a lot of money, you know. Um, there's a lot of people looking to make their living from people who want to be actors and and people like me who do. But I, I that seems to have changed. I, I, I didn't see everybody looking for the actor's dollar back in the day. You know, you do a headshot and that'll last you for a while. And, you know, there wasn't make your own real companies, which aren't a bad idea. You know, again, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's just, you know, it just seems like there's less money for the actors and more people wanting money from the actor. So it seems that, um, you know, trying to break Hollywood, it's kind of an, an impossible task and even being a working actor. So when you're working with students, are, 
Do you do you paint that sort of bleak future for them? Are you being realistic or you try to motivate them? Another good question. It depends on what it is that they need or they want. You know, sometimes people are asking about getting a, a, a manager and an agent or, you know, getting work and they don't even know how to act yet. They don't, they know nothing. And I'm all about strike while the iron's hot, get in the game as soon as you can, as soon as you're ready. Um, sometimes people want opportunities. Sometimes with some of my young and beautifuls, they're getting opportunities. People are coming to them and they want to make sure that things are on the up and up. And, um, did I answer the question? Oops. Yeah. <laughs> I, kind of, I think, I, yeah, right, I think yeah. you did. I think you did. You know, that it's, it's, it can be a dangerous world out there. You know, it can, um, but an incredibly fun one too. But they 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 have there's a lot of questions. You know, it is hard to break that's where start breaking in. Um it is difficult and there is no one way, you know. There's, you know, even back in the day when there was, you know, Schwabs and everybody would go down and sit in the because famous, you know, I think it was Lana Turner was discovered at the soda fountain. So then girls would show up and wait to be discovered at the soda fountain. You know, there's now maybe it's Instagram, right? Um, they do oftentimes want your social media following. And that's something I didn't have to come up in the business with. I mean, oh my gosh, we're all so insecure. I can't imagine worrying about every photo of myself and how that's going to help my career. But that's part of the business. It's show business. There is a business aspect, you know, the the color that matters is green. People want, you know, rear ends in the seats, whatever, I'll get that. You know, your movie makes money, they'll make a sequel. Well, the final question is, but as I said, I already know the answer to it. It's like, what advice would you give to actors? And Shannon says, let go. <laughs> That's my advice, but nobody wants that. That's not the advice that they want. They want to know, like, you show up at your agents on a Tuesday morning because that's when they're most likely to sign you. Um, not true. I have no idea. Um, the advice is to study, whether it's with me, the best, or with somebody else. Who knows? <laughs> Grab bag. Um, only because it will empower you. It will make you feel, hopefully, reduce some of this fraud and imposter syndrome that you might be carrying. Um, you'll get a community of people. You'll get connected. And and it's fun, you know, or same idea as studying. Be out there shooting your own stuff, creating your own content, making it happen. There's so many people who've done that. And um, that's another wonderful way to, you know, if you're, if you're a storyteller, there's many different ways to tell your story. So that's my advice. And then you should let go. And that's all, folks. You can catch us on Instagram and Twitter at LA is good for you. Our podcast is recorded at Rosinante Studios in Delray, recommended for all your low budget recording and sound editing needs. 